You're listening to Flaunt, Find Your Sparkle and Create a Life You Love After Infidelity or Betrayal. Have you been betrayed by life, your body, or someone that you love? You're not alone. No matter what you've been through, Naked Self-Worth helps you regain confidence, joy, and enthusiasm so you can create a life you love and flourish. Tune in weekly and learn how. To all the women who have cried in the shower, smiled when they wanted to scream, and couldn't wait to get home and unhook their bra, Flaunt is the definitive guidebook on how to get back in touch with who you are underneath your labels, roles, and scripts. Fall in love with yourself right now. Breathe life into the dreams you left behind and live each day with uninhibited joy. Pick up a copy of Laura Cheadle's number one best-selling book, Flaunt. Drop your cover and reveal your smart, sexy, and spiritual self wherever books are sold. It's available in print, digital, and audio formats and comes with two downloadable meditations. Hello, welcome to Flaunt. Find your sparkle and create a life you love after infidelity and betrayal. Today, I have got Mark Anthony, otherwise known as the psychic lawyer, as a guest. And oh boy, are we going to tackle some interesting topics. Not only are we going to talk about the electromagnetic soul and the frequency of earth versus the frequency of the afterlife, but we're also going to get into some application of that specific to infidelity and betrayal. And you may be thinking, ooh, how does that all apply? Well, You can just wait for that to unfold, but in generally, there are a few different instances where communication with those on the other side can really help bridge the gap in your healing, in your understanding, and helping you move through that trauma. So with that, welcome to the show, Mark. It's a privilege to have you here. Thank you, Laura. It's an honor to be here. I I, uh, really admire you and your work, so it is I'm just thrilled to be here. Well, thank you so much. Okay, let's just kind of start from the beginning here. The psychic lawyer, you know, people say for me, you can't be a burlesque dancing lawyer. And I say, yes, I can. So I love that you are the psychic lawyer because I bet you get, you can't do that. And oh, yes, you can. How, How did this all unfold for you? You know, it's amazing because people think that all lawyers are vampiric monsters that are, are, you know, blood sucking and heartless and that all psychic mediums are running around in fields of daisy flinging granola singing, you know, kumbaya. And that's because people have stereotypes. And the thing is, I was born a psychic medium. And initially, as a young man, I considered very heavily going into the clergy, which is not unusual for a medium to be drawn to the spiritual. But Laura, you'll get a kick out of this, and I believe your listeners will too. I kept feeling, you know, the clergy, too many rules, too many regulations. So I went to law school, and and it's like I jumped out of the regulatory frying pan right into the rule-laden fire. (laughs) That is funny. Yeah, that is definitely funny. So you did practice law for quite a while. I know you did some litigation, um, among other things. How how did being a psychic like dovetail with that? Because when clients are there and you're knowing things and there's communication, was that a help or a hindrance? And how did that all work? All the above. Um, 
in in all my books, I give stories of my work as an attorney and how it overlapped with being a psychic medium. And uh, it always came in very handy selecting juries because, you know, prior to a trial, before evidence is taken, both sides, the plaintiff and the defense or the prosecution and the defense, if it's a criminal trial, uh, get to ask prospective jurors questions. It's, it's known as voir dire or in the South, voir dire, <laughs> <laughs> and, which is a French term meaning to speak the truth. And the point is to find out any biases and prejudices that prospective jurors may have. And, you know, people always want to say what they think you want to hear. And I, I would get a feeling about particular people, whether or not they were predisposed uh, against my client or for my client. And in one, one particular case, I was selecting a jury and I was in my capacity as a defense attorney. And my client, Laura, was this big bruiser and he got into a, he, a duke out with another guy in a bar. So it was, so the loser filed charges, not unusual in a barroom brawl. So it was a crime of violence. So I'm sitting there and, you know, I got my client cleaned up for, for court, you know, he cleaned up pretty well. And it, it was my turn to question the prospective jurors to find out what their feelings were about crimes like this. And I kept getting drawn to this one woman and, uh, and I, I call her juror number nine. And I kept feeling a female presence around her. And I kept feeling this tightening around my throat like I couldn't breathe. So I knew that there was a woman connected to her in spirit that had died from some type of breathing problem. And it kept intensifying. And I'm like, okay, this is just really doesn't need to be happening now. Right. So it's my, yeah, yeah. So it's my turn to ask questions. And so I said, do you or does uh, have you or has anybody on on uh, this panel have you or has anyone in your family ever been the victim of a violent crime well she looks up and she her hand is trembling she raises her hand the tears just come out of her eyes the spirit is intensifying and she said a year ago my sister was in a foreign country when an escaped mental patient strangled her, dismembered her body and threw her in a dumpster like she was garbage. All right. So, Laura, I'm standing there like and you could hear a pin drop and I can hear my client going like, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> and even even the prosecutor who was a, a really annoying person uh, was at a loss for things to say. And, and everybody's looking at me like, Mark, do something. And and um, I said, I'm, please forgive me. Because in law school, they didn't te teach me how to deal with this one. Right, right. So, so I'm like, please forgive me for bringing up such a, a painful memory. And, and I, I, I can't say how much I admire you for your honesty. And I said, you know, perhaps if your sister were here, maybe she'd say, no news is good news. And also in the prosecutor, objection! And the judge, oh, let's get on with it. You know, everyone started barking at me, you know, you know the, how trial is. Well, um, she was not selected. The, the prosecutor wanted her off. The judge wanted her off. And on a break, she came up to me and she said, I really want to thank you because it was a little joke between my sister and I. We always used to say no news is good news. And I somehow felt that she was with me today. Oh. You know, and and so 
that was one of those instances where normally and ethically, I don't believe that you should just run up and fling a reading at somebody, but that was so intense. That was so intense. And her sister needed to get that message through to her. But uh, normally I, I would not do things like that. That that was the exception rather than the rule. You know, because Laura, as an attorney, and, and I know that you're a very ethical and honest person, you know, we have all these shows where people, you know, a medium runs into a pizza parlor and flings a reading. I'm a medium, blah, 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 you know, and, and it's, it's TV because when you get eight different camera angles with perfect makeup, perfect lighting, perfect sound and close-ups and all this, that was not a spontaneous filming. That was, scripted it takes about five or six hours to film that two to three minute segment plus everybody in the background uh, and if their face isn't blurred out they had to sign a release and and so a lot of people think that that's what we do is run around fling readings at people right but that's also unethical that's a betrayal that's yes. a betrayal of, of their privacy because that person's there having a piece of pizza they're not there to receive a connection from a loved one in spirit and, and so you're taking away their, their right to make a decision and fling it on them. And so that's why you have to look at those shows for what they are, entertainment value primarily. Yeah. And it is entertaining, but you're absolutely right. That's not real life. That's not needed. And you're right. It, it, a betrayal is being blindsided. And that is absolutely blindsiding somebody. And that kind of leads into some of the um, stuff that you talk about in your new book, The Afterlife Frequency. You talk about the frequency and like how to do that. You are there minding your own business, doing your voir dire, um, and you feel this presence. Right. What is it that you're feeling? Because I know that's a question that so many people have. It's sure. not like somebody literally comes in and puts their hand around you. Can you explain a little bit about what it is that you're tuning in to when you do mediumship, either intentionally or when it's kind of flung upon you? Uh, <laughs> the sixth sense has different aspects to it. There's clairvoyance, which means seeing images. You can either see like a spirit standing there, but more oftenly, often it's um, a a vivid a vivid image in your mind's eye. Like like thinking like if I say think of the Eiffel Tower. Okay, all your listeners now are seeing the Eiffel Tower in in their mind. That's how I see it. Then there's clairaudience, which is hearing. I'll hear things. Then there's clairsentience, which is feeling physical sensations. Then there's clairsavance, which is what I call a direct feed where, where you get information. And then you can also smell, um, uh, feel physical sensations. So when a spirit, when I open up my brain to the afterlife frequency, to the higher frequency, and a spirit connects with me, first I'll get an, um, their gender, then I may get an idea of their relationship to you. So if I was doing a reading on you, Laura, and I said, somebody's on your level, that's your generation, brother, sister, cousin, spouse, friend, below your level, child, niece, nephew, above your level, parent, aunt, uncle. They don't have to be relatives. Lady on the mother level could be a mom, stepmom, aunt, 
professor, teacher, boss you had. Then they're going to start transmitting to me all types of things. I'm going to see things in my mind's eye, hear things in my mind's ear. I will feel physical sensations throughout my body to indicate how they passed. Like the story with the voir dire, I felt a female presence initially. Secondly, I knew that she was in close proximity to this woman because she was standing next to her. So she was on her level a sister. I felt the tightening around my neck, which is a, a physical sensation. The spirit's not choking me or strangling me. But they're emitting an electromagnetic impulse to me, which gets um, which interfaces with the electronic field, the electrical field within my brain and gets converted into um recognizable concepts and physical sensations based on my memories, feelings, and cultural associations. So if I get a tightness in my throat, a sensation, I knew that there was an obstruction there. If I feel burning sensations, generally that's cancer, but maybe the person was actually burned in some way, or depending on how I feel it, it could be a neurological pain, like a burning sciatica. Um, then I will start receiving um, and once I get confirmation from the client, I say, I'm getting this. Does that make sense? And then once uh, the client um, gives me confirmation, the spirit's going to continue transmitting information. And then we'll get to um, deeper and more uh, in-depth messages. So that in a nutshell is what happens. And all this happens in about three seconds. And so I've got to be like on top of it. And it's hard when you have a client that has a difficult time remembering dates and things. Um, <clears throat> sometimes people get flustered. I was on a TV show and in, unlike these canned scripted shows, everything I do is live. Okay. So we're live on TV and, um, and the host of the show says, Mark, go ahead and do some reading. So I stand up and I'm drawn to this one lady. And I say, there's a younger male coming through on your child nephew uh, level. And, um, she says, well, my son has died. Okay. And, and I said, and, and he's giving me the word cross. I'm seeing a cross. I'm hearing cross. She's staring at me. Her husband sitting next to her. They're staring at me. No, no. I go, God, this is so strong. It could be Red Cross. could be something about Christianity. could be uh, something with the word cross. No, no. And so the host says, all right, we're, um, it's time for a station break. Now, TV show, a TV show, talk show has seven minutes, seven-minute segment, followed by four minutes of commercial, and then another seven-minute segment. So we're on the four-minute commercial, and this lady's standing there staring at me, and her husband says, you know, our last name is Cross. Oh, come on. And, and that, yeah, that's what the host of the show, I can see her going, oh, my God, like that. And, and, you know, and what it is, this lady, she was older, she'd lost a son, she was terrified. I'm used to being on TV. I'm used to be, you know, having been in court. Okay? That's true. And we still get nervous, okay? No matter how many times, you still get nervous. So this poor thing, she's she's standing there in an audience with lights, camera, action all happen on her. And she was so scared, she couldn't even recognize her own last name. So now we come back, okay? And the host of the show, she was so cool. She said... Well, we're back on air with Mark Anthony, and um, and he kept giving this lady cross, and she realized during the commercial break that that's her last name. And I said, as in her son's last name, too. Okay, so in other words, I got their son's name. Right. And, and before I could say anything else, the host goes, well, thank you, Mark. Why don't you go to somebody else? You know, because she also knew that this woman was just terrified. And if she just stands there and says no to everything, um, you know, and, and so I realized that 
that a lot of times when people are are coming to a medium like myself, mm-hmm. they may be nervous, they're not thinking clearly, and they say no, 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 no to everything, which creates a negative energy barrier and the spirits will back off. And so in my book, The Afterlife Frequency, um, one of the facets is explaining how to approach a reading with a medium to avoid what I call the no, no, no syndrome. Let's remove that barrier get the information coming in so that you get the maximum benefit out of the connection. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Another thing that you've got in your book, and and we'll go in more depth to this later, is the raft technique for people to kind of start tuning in a little bit on their own. Like you said, not everybody is a medium, but everybody is capable of recognizing communication from the other side. Um, Could you go through the raft technique quickly for us? Sure. That's one of the stories from the book that I will tell because the raft technique is key. So exactly what you just said, Laura, Uh, how do I explain this to people who aren't mediums? Because everybody can have the experience. So I'm working um, on my computer trying to write this and I hit the dreaded writer's block. And you're an author. And I, I, you know, um, for the benefit of the people only hearing this, Laura and I can see each other on a Zoom and and I can tell she's had the writer's block. We all do. (laughs) Nothing was happening. And it always happens on the day when you schedule that day to work on the book. Okay. So I said, fine. I'm going to go for a walk on the beach. So I, I, I live near the ocean. So I'm heading towards the beach and all of a sudden cold chills and tingles start happening as I'm walking down my driveway and I do an about face and head in the opposite direction towards this bike path. And I'm like, okay, something's going on here. About 11 in the morning, I'm walking on the bike path and I see these two objects shining in the light and I walk up to them. Now, mind you, both my parents have passed. So I'm walking up to them and I see that it's a nickel and a penny. And I go to pick them up and I hear my mom's voice. It's bad luck if their head's down. And I'm laughing because my mother's family, my mom and dad were both mediums. They had these abilities. It runs my family. And her family was of Italian descent. And we have a superstition for all occasions. Okay, don't walk under a ladder. Don't let a black cat, you know, the coin. And then I hear my dad's voice. It's money. Grab it. So I'm laughing. All right. So I I pick up and I'm holding the the nickel and the penny in my hand. I go, oh, six cents. I say, wait a second. Six cents. So I knew I recognized that this was a sign from my parents and spirit, and I immediately accepted this as real. Cold chills and tingles began to overwhelm my body. And in my mind's eye, I saw the image of my dad standing in the ocean holding this blue canvas raft that he used to have. My dad was a U.S. Navy SEAL. He was a scuba diver and a swimming instructor. Dad probably taught maybe close to a thousand kids to swim in his lifetime. He was a great guy, but I'm like, okay, what's this about? And then it hit me raft, recognize the signs from spirits, accept it as real, feel it. Don't overthink it. And then trust the message. And I said, that's what they're trying to teach me. And I ran back to my office. The words flew out of me, writer's block gone. And that is how I developed the raft technique. Well, I'm going to say that is how I was given the raft technique. And the raft technique, Laura, applies not just to situations like that, but let's say that you have a dream, a coherent um, experience where a loved one comes and speaks to you, and it has a beginning, a middle, and an end, and it feels real. The raft technique can help you to interpret that. 
Same thing if you have a near-death experience or you're part of a shared death experience. Let's say um, somebody who's dying, a loved one, you're in close proximity to that person and they're dying and they begin to talk about seeing spirits of their loved ones, which is a very common phenomenon. And this is the new frontier in, in afterlife research. And as an NDE near-death experience experiencer and near-death experience researcher, what happens, we've noticed, is people who are not mediums in close proximity to the dying person start to see those spirits too. So do hospice workers, healthcare workers, and it all has to do with the brainwave frequency overlap. And so the RAF technique can be used to help people recognize, accept, feel, and trust the messages from spirit communication in all of its forms, whether it's mediumship, direct contact, near-death experience, shared death experience, deathbed vision, out-of-body experience. And, and that's why it's so simple, yet so complex at the same time. Yeah, that I, I like that you just went ahead and called that out because it is very simple, um, but it's hard to do. And I think that's that's what does make it so powerful. How many times have we known something to be true and we think our way out of it? Yeah, it's the third part, the F part. Um, not the F word, the F part. part. <laughs> because here's what happens. All right, you recognize the sign, you accept that it's real. Let's say you're driving down uh, the highway and you're thinking very heavily about, about your, your mom who passed and suddenly you feel compelled to turn on the radio and there is that song that resonates with every fiber of your being, it's about mom. So you recognized a sign from a spirit, you accept it as real, but immediately you say, this is a coincidence. Oh, it's my imagination. Oh, it's a grief-induced hallucination. So what happens is we begin to, and you'll like this, Laura, we begin to cross-examine the experience. I do like it. <laughs> Yeah. And that's where, you know, you, that's where people hit a brick wall. So um, the hardest part is removing that. I remember when, when I was working with British mediums in England and one of the instructors said to me, mock, do stop cross-examining every spirit, would you? Yeah, because, because I had to get my own skeptical mind out of the way and once you, you do that, it opens up this whole channel of understanding. Yeah. I love that you said that too, and, and applied it to a different culture, because in my experience from my time in England and Peru and India, different places, they don't have the blocks that we have culturally. It's spirits are accepted. Communication is accepted. It's normal. Whereas here it's like, well, that's weird. Yeah. Well, in, in uh, the West, yeah, United States, um, Western Europe, we doubt the existence of God. We question it. Whereas in, in the Eastern cultures, part of your spiritual journey is to see God. And one of the things I love, um, there's a, a Hindu expression. And I actually, it, George Harrison, the late Beatle, who, who was a Hindu, he, he explained that when he said, well, if you want to see God, then look into the eyes of someone you love who truly loves you back. And then you see God mm. because it's pure love, you know, and, and um, you know, your, your show is very important about infidelity and betrayal because in the afterlife frequency, there's a number of stories that I, 
I um, write about where spirits come through, because the one of the, the healing objectives of spirit communication is resolution. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, many times, people have been treated very badly by a spouse or a significant other, and then that one of them dies. And so there's the lingering guilt, the post-traumatic stress disorder, the regrets, the why didn't I do this? Why did I I do that? And in so many readings I've done, um, I was doing a session recently for this woman and her husband came through. And the first thing he said was, I really did love you. And it was odd. It just felt odd. And she started crying and she said, did he really? He treated me so horribly. He treated me the way he talked to me. He said I was stupid. It, 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 it wasn't physical abuse, but it was that verbal, which hurts. I think physical abuse is absolutely unacceptable and the worst, but psychological abuse is, is unacceptable as well. And he always made her feel like a piece of dirt. And that's what he came through to, to apologize. And well, there was a lot that came out in this. Um, He was dealing with his own inner issues, his own inner anger. Um, And I'm not going to mention any names, but I got the impression that he wasn't really attracted to women. Mm-hmm. Yet he was in this relationship and he was taking his anger out on her. And now that he's free of the material, he was able to see things clearly and to apologize. And when I explained that, she said, I always suspected that. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely makes sense. And spot on with the transition into talking about this too, because resolution is a piece of it. And whether or not the person who betrayed you has passed or they're still in your life, I know through my journey, I also felt this the presence of the people who had passed because I wished I could have talked to them about it. I wished when I found out about my husband's re, uh, infidelity, my reality was completely destabilized. I did not know what was real or not. And I wanted to reach out to these people. And I felt like there was also that healing connection that was brought through from people on the other side to validate that for me, to, to give me that support. So I just wanted to say for, for the people out there who are listening to this and they're thinking, yeah, but my partner's still here. I think there's still a lot of healing that can be done with people on the other side. And in tandem with that question, my question for you is when people cross over, they still have the perspective that is a human. Now they have the perspective because they're coming from the collective unconscious, but at the same time, it's not that they know everything. What is that balance in seeking healing from people who have crossed over? Well, when, when, uh, when we die, think of our brain as like a drop of water, excuse me, our soul as a drop of water. And when our soul, our electromagnetic soul leaves the brain, it plunges into the eternal sea of souls, which is what I have termed the collective consciousness. And they're linked to other spirits, linked to other spirits, linked to other spirits, so on and so forth. So now they're part of this vast, 
infinite intelligence. And that's why many times during a reading, spirits will bring forth information that far exceeded the scope of anything they knew in this life. Because people will start arguing with me. Well, he didn't know that. It's like, yeah, but you're, you're judging spirits by our standards. They're not invisible humans. They're pure electromagnetic activity, pure consciousness. They are pure consciousness that is eternal electromagnetic energy. And, and so they have access to this, this great database, yet they maintain their individuality and the memories of what they did in this life. Um, I mean, I've done readings where murderers have come through. I've done readings for, for family members and the murderers will come through and they'll basically say, I was a psychopath. The spirit is not now, but they are fully aware of what they have done in the horror that they have inflicted. And, and they, they reflect upon that. They also appear to be on different frequencies. Um, th that's a big part of, of what I, I talk about, what I found. You know, there's a lot of psychics and mediums. Oh, we, we all go to the other side. And it's all kumbaya. What? Oh, no, 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 no. There's different frequencies because that's the nature of the electromagnetic spectrum. You know, look at look at FM radio, everything from 88.0 up to 107.9. There is a vast number of frequencies. And so let's say that Mother Teresa is on one frequency. Osama bin Laden is on quite another. Right. And they're not on the same frequency. Now, it doesn't mean that they stay there forever and statically. And, and this is a certainly a very, very in-depth conversation. Um, but there is no escaping what we do. And that's why all the great spiritual teachers from the sages of ancient India, through Zoroaster, through Buddha, through Moses, through Jesus, through um, Muhammad, through Native American spirituality, Yogananda, Paramahansa, Gandhi, St. Francis of Assisi, um, all, you know, all over the world, it all boils down to two words, be nice. <laughs> Mm -hmm. a mm -hmm. lot harder to do and that's why all the basic uh, all the belief systems they all have a very basic and very complex teaching treat people the way you want to be treated now what, what happens there is when you're acting out of true love and spirituality you treat other people the way you want to be treated when you're acting from a strictly ego edging god out narcissistic me as center of the universe, such as infidelity. It's all about me, 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 me. And then you lie about it, betrayal. Really, when you have an affair on someone you love, when you're, when you're you know, having you know, uh, an inappropriate relationship on that, are you acting out of love for your spouse, your significant other? Or are you acting totally as a me as self of the center universe? And then the really crafty, crafty and manipulative personality well if you gave me more affection i wouldn't do this if you would if 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 it's like all right how about i chose to do this and let's face it if you're that unhappy with your relationship then get out of it that's why god invented lawyers in divorce <laughs> <laughs> So right on. So right on. And that makes it, I think, difficult to have that resolution that you were talking about in the, in life. And I know a lot of people don't want to wait for somebody to die to get that resolution. And it's difficult. 
Well, and that that's a good point, Laura, because that's exactly why we have to treat people the way we want to be treated, because it's a lot easier to get that resolution and forgiveness while that person's here in this world. Mm-hmm. All right. Because then when they go to the other side, it's it's more difficult. And then there's the 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 victim, the one on the receiving end of the betrayal and vengeance and harboring resentment is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. And when that other person is already dead. Yeah. Wow. Does that complicate things and set this whole chain of events? So if you're in a lousy relationship and let's say you tried counseling or it just doesn't work out, then, you know, bite the bullet and get out of it. Yeah. I know I was raised uh, in the Catholic faith and divorce uh, traditionally was frowned on, but the church has changed on that. And I wouldn't consider myself a, um, a, um, hook, line, and sinker Catholic, okay? I mean, right. people want to, want to follow that. I take a very broad view of faith. I, I listen to everybody. I accept uh, all of them. Um, but the, the truth of the matter is, if if you're that unhappy, you know, it's like when you hear about people, he murdered his wife, you know, the millionaire murderer. Really? Really? Divorce is a lot cheaper than murder, okay? Yeah. So what if she or he takes half of what you got? You're not spending the rest of your life in prison. You know, I mean, it's just so bizarre the way people act. And you've got to realize that when you're tempted to have that affair, to walk the other line, okay? Think about if this were going to be happening to you, change position. How would a, as a man, how would I feel if I knew my wife was saying, well, look at that young stud with the washboard abs. Right. I think I'll do it. It didn't mean anything. It was just once. Right. Right. Which also leads, I think, into this next topic. We hear that once we die, you know, depending on your religious beliefs, but we go to God and we can get forgiven and blah, 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 blah. And then I like how you use the Mother Teresa and Osama bin Laden on different frequencies because yes to all of that. But there's also that for the soul after death raising of the frequency. Like you said, they have access to a great database of wisdom. And we do make a lot of horrible mistakes on earth. And if we don't have the chance to atone on earth, we will have a chance to atone, to raise our frequency, to raise our vibration in the afterlife. How does that all work? Because I know, again, like you said, that resentment that we harbor and we don't want sometimes people to get off scot-free and we don't want them to, to go be happy. How does, how does that all work? It would take a lot longer to ex- answer that question. Than, <laughs> uh, and that's why I, I wrote about that in such great detail in the afterlife frequency. And the thing is, Laura, nobody has all the answers because, you know, I have glimpses of, of insight. Uh, I've, you know, I've done readings for close to 15,000 people, probably more now. And through those readings, communicated with a good hundred thousand spirits uh, so far in my life. I mean, it's a lot. And the thing is, karma never loses an address, nor does it have an expiration date. Mm -hmm. 
Nope. And it, it's not an instant thing. And I go into great detail explaining. Thank God there's not instant karma. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, for every action, there's equal and opposite reaction. So you do something good and immediately something bad. You know, you're in your kitchen, you just did something good for one of your kids, and a pot falls out of a cabinet, hits you in the head, boom, you know, right there. No. It's it's quite a bit, quite a bit different uh, than that. And I and I explain how this works. But the thing is, um, there is a balance to to everything. Mm-hmm. And you're never going to get away with anything, whether it's if it's on this side, on the other side, or coming back, which means reincarnation. And you know, I don't believe in hell, but I certainly believe in reincarnation. And there are people in this world who are essentially living in hell. Think about women now in Afghanistan. Okay. Um I mean, that, that's a whole, that's a, a very in-depth discussion, but for the past 20 years, women have allowed to be educated, judges, um, political figures, and now they're being brutally oppressed by this dark ages mentality that women are, are somehow um, possessions. And th- this is the scourge upon, upon humanity. It, it's, it's this misogynistic, male-dominated, then there's the racism. I mean, this is... No, really, we need a fire and brimstone mythical land. No, it's right here. Now, will will planet Earth ever be the Republic of Kumbaya? Probably not. That's what the other side is. But we go through a series of these incarnations. But I like what Winston Churchill said. When you're going through hell, keep going. So if you're in this, this hellish reality, um, such as coping with the death of a loved one, or you're in that horrible relationship, you've got to push forward. You've got to survive that. Um, for the, those of you who are in the, the terrible relationships, many people feel trapped. I want to tell a story, if I may. Please. Good friend of mine, Brett Butler. Um, she, she used to have the show Grace Under Fire. She's a comedian, actress, hilarious, intellectual, and a medium. And she was telling me about, um, she got into a relationship with a man who was an alcoholic and he was abusive. And she said, she goes, I don't know, because she had uh, drinking problems. And and, um, she said, Mark, I was just attracted to the bad boy. And, And on our wedding night, he gave me a black eye. And I'm like, oh my God. And she said, and then she said, we went to go visit his mother. And she said, I think he was from Alabama. She was from Georgia. She goes, Mark, the mean drunken apple don't fall far from the mean drunken tree. And she (laughs) said, so we're leaving and we get into this big argument. And I love the way she talks. She's real son, but man, she's brilliant. Genius level IQ. She goes, so we're driving uh, through this country road and we're getting in a big fight. And all of a sudden we look up and this huge metallic object had swooped out of the sky and was hovering above the car. And then it took off. And she said, I realized at that instant that we had been added to the statistics of open mouth rednecks who had seen a UFO along the country road. And then she said, and Mark, I don't know what made me more angry. The fact that he did not understand what I meant by that or that they did not take me with them. Right. 
that, Mark. You know you're in a bad relationship when you think the only way out of it is to be abducted by aliens in a flying saucer. Oh, my God. That is hilarious. And, I mean, I'm laughing, but then I'm thinking, my God, I remember being in a lousy relationship. And you think, I'm stuck. Guess what? You're not. You're a victim if you choose to be. Yeah, choose it. Two things that I want to pull out of, the, out of that story. You said she's a genius level IQ, yet she ended up in this horrible situation. And I think that's one of the things that holds so many people back from getting out of the situation. They think, I'm a smart person. I'm an intelligent woman. I'm all of that. And how did I end up here? I can't admit to that. That's a failure. And I just, I just had to like put a little pin in that because you're not a failure. We all get snookered. We all, I think those of us who see the best in other people sometimes tend to get snookered more because we're good people, not because we're bad, not because we're stupid, not because we're inept, not because we deserve it, but because we're kind. Yes. And here is a big pitfall. I know we're getting a little bit off the psychic, but but that's fine. I'll change him. No, you may change um how they use a fork and knife you may get somebody to realize that the small fork is a salad fork okay but you're not going to change anyone and if they have addictive behaviors or if they're they they have this cruel or mean streak or they're they're very domineering uh or they just don't share anything in common with you you're not going to change those things with everyone comes something, okay? And that usually includes their family <laughs> uh, as, as well. And I'm not saying don't put yourself out there and get into a relationship, but realize when you get into a relationship with someone, you've got to assess this, okay? You know, at first it's all cloud nine. Oh, I can't live without you. All right, yeah, well, that's going to fade. All right, then you're going to see who, who, you, who you're really with and then just determine all right, I I can live with this. Or, you know, he or she does this. I don't really like it, but I can live with that. All right. You know, little things like, um, oh, you know, he always leaves every cabinet in the kitchen open. (laughs) Okay. Is is that really that big of a deal? All right. As opposed to, well, where were you last night? Now there's your red flag. There's your red flag. So, so there is no perfect relationship. We do not live in a Hallmark TV, you know, Um, made for tv christmas movie we don't live in that reality all right i know i know it's funny it's like you know people think you know oh i wish my family was like the brady bunch right actually it's more like you know the roseanne show you know because because that you know just just to to use an analogy there but the thing is true love does exist but it isn't this state we exist in true love isn't a swimming pool that we jump into and slosh around true love is is understanding and connecting with a person recognizing that he or she is not perfect but that's okay because you're not either yeah yeah that what very well said very well said so what can those on the other side how how can they help us recover heal, maybe recognize when we're in a bad relationship. Because as you're saying all this, I'm I'm thinking there's so many listeners out there who are thinking, yeah, and if my grandma would have just been alive, she could have, you know, helped me spot these red flags, or she would have helped me understand this. Using the RAF technique, 
gives us access, I think, to some of our deceased loved ones who are caring, who are trying to give us messages. But say more about that. How how involved are those on the other side with us in our daily life, especially when we're kind of going down a dark little rabbit hole? Think of everyone that you are are that that you love as being connected to you through a three-dimensional spider web. Okay. Let's take the spider out of it. Now that's, that applies to both this world and the other side. And how do spider webs work on the basis of frequency, vibration? Something hits the spider web, it sends a vibration. That's why those of you who are parents and you have that feeling, oh my gosh, something's going on with my child. And then you find out that it is. And it wasn't because you got a phone call. It's because you you had that, that sixth sense sensation. That's because energetically you're linked. Um, and I can, I go into an in-depth exp- explanation I simplify quantum physics. Boy, was that a task to, to explain how, how this phenomenon happens. And it's the same thing with spirits. If you're, and I call these frequency beacons. So let's say that you're grieving a loved one very heavily. You're sending a vibration along that, that web. They pick up on it, draws them to you. Well, it's a two-way street. They can send that vibration to you. Um, it's like when I was talking about you turn on the radio and suddenly there's that song. Do you think that was just a fluke, you know, um, or you smell a perfume or, or a familiar scent and there's no source for it. Boy, that's my mom's perfume. Yeah. These, these are very real phenomenon and spirits are not here to control us or to tell us what to do, but rather to provide guidance and insights. Why? because it is our free will that determines what we do in the time that we're given. There's a day we're coming in and a day we're going out. And the free will is what we do with the time in between that. So a spirit is not going to come through and say, your husband's a stinker, dump him. They may come through and say that you are not respecting yourself enough. And they may say that this, you know, they, they, in, in some ways they may say this is an unsuitable situation, but ultimately it is up for you to decide because a lot of people, they're like, well, I want them to tell me this and this and this and this, you know, get to realize the other side spirits are not, it's not Santa Claus. So you're not going with your list of this is what I, 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 I want you open up and, and allow the guidance to come through. And sometimes that guidance is to love yourself. And sometimes loving yourself requires a difficult decision of letting go of a toxic relationship. Yes. And that is so much, it's that self-betrayal. You know, what am I selling myself out for? Um, I love that because yes, for the most part, spirits do have our best interest at heart when they're those like grandparents, parents, people that we love. You talked about that frequency web, that connection. What about the idea though, of a dark spirit of somebody who's going to come in and maliciously cause harm? How can people tell the difference between great out Betty and some nasty, crazy tree that the apple just fell from who's here to interfere? In the 15,000 readings, the hundreds of thousands of spirits I've connected to, I've yet to communicate with the funky evil spirit that's here to wreak havoc. And this is where um, a lot of my colleagues may disagree with me. I know a lot of the paranormal investigators may disagree with me. 
Um, but I believe in objective analysis and, and looking at this. And spirits are not here to control us or to, to harm us. We also have to realize we're in control. Um, there's a lot of people who really want negative spirits to be real. It's funny because people in certain religious groups really want there to be a hell. They love hell because everyone's going to it except them. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, so, um, and here's how you can tell the difference. Let's go back to the raft technique. Let's go to T, trust. In this day and age, we hear a lot of these people saying, oh, I'm a shaman that said we need to do an insurrection. Oh, I am a religious leader that thinks you should put on a bomb vest and go blow up a bunch of uh, women at a marketplace. And God told me this. God's not telling them that. The divine is not telling them that. Spirits are not telling them that. That's the ego edging God out. Me, 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 me. What they're looking for is moral justification for their own narcissistic self-centered behaviors. Those are not messages from the divine. Those are not messages from spirits. The difference is messages from the divine, messages from spirits are about love, healing, peace, and resolution. And therein lies the difference. That's how we can tell. So people say, oh, there's an evil spirit there. Is it? Or are you manufacturing that impulse to justify a self as center of the universe behavior. Yeah, I love that. Love, healing, peace, and resolution. Because also in humanity, I was betrayed and now I'm going to heal by revenge cheating. Mm, no, 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 no. That's not really about love, healing, peace, or a resolution that's putting you right back into ego. So yeah, it isn't. And Gandhi said, an eye for an eye and the whole world goes blind. Yes. Yes. Very well said. So the another question around that with the raft technique, oftentimes people will say, how do I know the difference between a thought in my head and really a message from a loved one? How do I know that it's not me making up sixth sense and me making up raft. How do I know it's really from somebody else versus me making it up? Yeah, that, that really is the hard part because people, you know, yes, I can connect with my, my mother and father spirit. I can connect with uh, dear people to me that have died. But I always wonder, is is it me wanting that to happen, you know? And that's why, you know, um, there's a saying that mediums, you know, psychics, we can't read for ourselves because we've lost that objective. It's like being an attorney, yes. okay? You know, you, know, you know, he or she who represents themselves in court has a fool for a client and a jackass for a lawyer because you lose your objectivity. And so that's why when people come to a legitimate medium for reading, um, like I, you know, the legitimate medium, like, like, you know, like myself, like you. Yeah. Yeah. Like me, we have that professional objectivity so we can do that. But when the experience happens to you, give it time because usually spirits will verify this. Um, for example, even though this is not directly happening to, well, I was doing a session for this, this woman and her mother spirit came through and began to talk about her grand, um, the, the spirit's grandson. And my client said, well, I don't have a son, but my sister does. And the description you're giving of this boy matches him. He's alive. I said, well, my eyes are hurting 
and I'm getting something about headaches and eye problems. And she said, that's interesting. My sister said her son was complaining about headaches and eye strain. He's he's only like seven or eight years old. And I said, well, your mom says he's got to go to the eye doctor. And I said, now I'm hearing that song, Tutti Frutti, Ah Rudy, Tutti Frutti, Ah Rudy by Little Richard. And she goes, what? anything to me she said yeah i know who little richard you know he, he had died and do you know who he was but that song makes absolutely no sense to me i said well i'm giving you what i get three weeks later i get an email mark my sister and i took my nephew to the eye doctor and when we walked into the doctor's office all of a sudden on the radio it started playing tutti frutti all rudy by little richard and she said And then I realized, okay, we're supposed to be here. And so, and and I love it when things like that happen. And and I describe this in the afterlife frequency. I call this verifiable fact following the message. When a spirit gives us a message of an explanatory or advisory nature, and then follows that up with an objectively verifiable fact, the verifiable fact, tutti frutti already in this particular case, is how the spirit is letting you know that you've properly received and interpreted the message. So once you start working with RAF, they will be giving validations to this. I remember this happened to me one time. So my dad was still alive after my mom had passed. I was driving through town and all of a sudden um, I felt my mom like took my hand and I go, cause we, and I used to take her to lunch and stuff and she'd hold my hand and it's, you know, that's yeah. corny, but that's one of the things I really miss, you know? Yeah. And, And I said, mom, I feel you here, but how do I know this is real? And I heard Rex, Rexy, Rexy. I kept hearing Rexy over and over, Rexy. Um, And and I saw my mom holding a dog. It's a little dog. And she was being yelled at, get that dog out of this house. And I'm like, what? So a couple hours later, I, I was over at my dad's house and I said, dad, this is what happened to me. And he goes, oh, Rexy the dog. I go, what? He said, yeah, when your mom was a little girl, she found this stray dog and she brought him into her house. And her mother said, get that dog out of my house. So your mom brought it uh, next door to her grandmother's house and her grandmother kept it. And they named him Rexy. I didn't know this. Right. <laughs> Right. You know, so there was my objectively verifiable fact following the message. So reason I'm bringing this up is these they're going to get spirits are going to get their message through to you one way or another. Don't expect immediate gratification. Let the the message unfold like a flower bloom, blossom, unfold. It can take hours, days, weeks, even longer. Mm-hmm. The fact of the message makes sense. And so give it time. You know, we live in a zap action society. I want to know something. I'll ask my phone and it will magically tell me, which is pretty darn cool. It's cool. Right. Spirits aren't on our timetable. No. And I like that you said that for two reasons. First of all, that be patient is really, really important. And also, second of all, giving people the the free agency to ask. Prove this to me validate this to me, show me more, because that to me takes it out of that woo-woo mystical magical, oh my God, I got a message. And it puts me back in the driver's seat. I got this message. Is this accurate? Am I interpreting this? Show me more, verify it. 
I can ask that. You can ask that. If you're unsure, clarify. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's one of the things that I have really enjoyed um, about your book. I, I said before we started recording to Mark that I pulled out his book last night and I thought I'm, I'm going to just, you know, quickly speed read through this so I can be prepped for the interview. Well, I ended up really read, read, reading it and then going back and, and you know, highlighting because I highlight things because that's an old habit that <laughs> dies hard. <laughs> right. I, I still have my uh, four colored pen <laughs> and I take notes on everything, <laughs> but his book really does explain it. And when he said he explains quantum physics, he does in a way that is very easily digestible and is entertaining. So whether or not you have struggled with infidelity or just any kind of a betrayal, or whether you think, I think I've been betraying myself this whole time and I need some sort of resolution, whether it's for myself or through spirit or whatever, his book and the raft technique will absolutely help you get there. Mark, where can they find more about you? Where can they get a hold of this book? Uh, the book's on sale worldwide at all fine bookstores um, and uh, mom and pop stores as well, and and chains like Barnes and Noble. It's uh, it in, it was released October twelfth, and in that time, it has hit number one bestseller status on Amazon. I was notified, um, I received notification that it has been submitted for a Pulitzer Prize. And then for me, I was so overwhelmed when um, I saw that movie star and film legend Shirley MacLaine has recommended it in her newsletter, The Shirley Graham. And uh, I'm just so humbled and honored by that. And people can order it uh, through Amazon from my website, which is afterlifefrequency.com, same as the book, the afterlifefrequency.com. You can schedule a one-on-one -on -one reading with me. Please sign up for my newsletter to keep you up to date on my events. And every Thursday, I have a live stream show, The Psychic and the Doc, that I co-host with Dr. Pat Basili, the street smart spiritual behavioral psychologist on the Transformation Network. It's, it's a lot of fun and we do take calls from listeners. And you can find out about all of that by visiting my website, which is afterlifefrequency.com. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Mark. Listeners, reach out, jump on his newsletter, do all of the stuff because he's a ton of fun. And I guarantee, and I don't guarantee a lot, but I guarantee you will get a lot out of it. So have an amazing week and always remember to flaunt exactly who you are because who you are is always more than enough. Tune in next time to Flaunt. Find your sparkle and create a life you love after infidelity or betrayal with radio host and live choreographer Laura Cheadle every Wednesday at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on syndicated Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. Develop naked self-worth and reclaim your confidence, enthusiasm, and joy so you can create a life you love and embrace who you are today. Download your free Sparkle Through Betrayal Recovery Guide at NakedSelfWorth.com.